Good morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song?
You, you may be seated. We have the joy and the privilege of being a part of baptism. Not just one, but there's two. Max and Cam are sound asleep right now. Um, and I'm really, 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 really glad. I think this is the first time ever where they have outfits where their names are like right on there. So I don't get their names wrong. So this is really, really good. Now, here's the thing about it. God formed them and fashioned them. He knows the difference between them. I could look at them and, yeah, one is a little bigger than the other, uh, but they look pretty similar. But God knows every single hair on their head. He knows everything about them now, and he knows what's going to happen in the future. He is so in love with these kids that he wanted them to be part of his family. So I want to take you on a real brief journey, a theological journey that talks about sin but then also about grace. The sin part is what I call the bad news. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And I'll just tell you, now they're cute, now they're quiet, but there are moments probably where they exhibit their will to varying degrees. And when they get to be about age two, they get really good at exhibiting, exhibiting that will. And then when they get older like us, we just learn to hide it a little bit more. But it's still part of our condition. God decided to do something about the sin. He, just, he said, I'm going to send my son to come to this earth to suffer and to die and to rise again and bring forgiveness of sins and life for everybody. And the way he connects that gift is in baptism. Jesus was uh, getting ready to go up into heaven. It's called the ascension. And he had people in front of him and he gave them the marching orders for the church and said, this is what you're supposed to do. And he said these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And uh, my prayer for Max and Cam is that they would get to know that, especially that last part, that Jesus is going to be with them always. Now the journey of baptism and life, uh, Jesus talked about and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. So baptism, while it is beautiful, it is the starting point. But as they grow up physically, intellectually, we want them to grow up spiritually. That's why we look over at godparents and say, you have a very important job to do. And as these two little ones grow up, we want them to know Jesus more than anything. Everything else is really good, but this is really important. And so some of the things you can do as a godparent is to pray for them, encourage them, remind them of what happened on this day, August 28th, wow, 2022. Remind mom and dad about the importance of it because I'll just say as a parent, it's fun, it's really good, but sometimes it's hard work. So you coming alongside of them, encouraging them, you know, would be very important. So if you're willing to do this, then answer, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. Thank you. May God give you the love and faith to do this on behalf of Max and Cam. Well, they're going to be baptized into the Christian faith. That's really cool. Uh, there is a summary of the Christian faith that we find in the Apostles' Creed. And it's going to be up on the screen. Uh, I'd like everybody here to join together and share this faith out loud. So... If you would, let's share this together. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty, and thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, Amen. We're going to actually go in order of birth. Max was first, so we're going to baptize him first. Max, David, McGuire, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may our Heavenly Father, who in baptism brought you into his family, keep you safe in his loving arms. Amen. Cam, James, McGuire, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God has done a great and new thing in your life, bringing you into his family. May you experience his blessings each and every day. Amen. All right. I like to hold them. <laughs> Haven't dropped one in a long time. <laughs> Parents often like to hear that. <laughs> Here we have two brand new members, right? Yeah, his arms are up in the air, yeah. They really have no clue of what took place. There's some cold water that was put on their head and some guy was speaking some words, but our prayer is that as they grow up, they would get to know this Jesus, that they would love this Jesus, that they would follow him forever. And so I wanna pray for them and then afterward, we're going to do what we've been doing for a while now, is standing and giving thanks to God for what he's done. Good and gracious God, thank you again for the gift of life. And as uh, I hold these <laughs> little guys, uh, amazing, amazing, the gift of life. But even more amazing than that is the spiritual life, the gift of being brought into your family. And we pray for Max and Cam that they would know you more and more fully every day and with every breath. We pray for mom and dad. We pray for all of us that we would walk alongside of them and that we would be a blessing and we would learn from them. So thanks for all that you've done. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, let's stand, applaud what God has just done. And you may be seated. I'm going to light these candles. Um, August 28th, every year. Could be cool if you would. Light these candles. Talk about what happened. That God brought them into his family and made them heirs of eternal life. And made a promise that he will be with them always. Jesus said, he said of himself, I am the light of the world. And we want this light to shine brightly in them. So if I can ask maybe you two to hold those. And uh, God bless you and your ministry, and uh, it'll be fun to watch them growing up. All right. So you can make your way down.
doesn't get better than that, let me tell you. Um, I hope you know Jesus, because knowing Jesus means life. And we want that for these uh, two boys, but we also want it for every one of us. I want to welcome all of you as we gather in worship today. Um, I pray that you experience Jesus in a personal and intimate way today. And you get to know his love more fully. Uh, if you're a guest here, we're glad you're with us in worship. Glad that you are here. Uh, we want to get to know you somehow, some way. You could stop at Next Steps. If you are on Facebook, you can actually put something in the comment section. If you like, you could text 1C guest to 94,000. Uh, you could stop and catch us after the service. We'd just like to get to meet you and get to know you. All right, so do that. If you have questions about, you know, what's going on and, you know, how do you do things around here, uh, one of the things, uh, the chair backs in front of you, some of them have these cards. So, example, later we're going to have communion. And in those cards, it'll t say what we believe as a church about communion and how you can take communion today if you would like to. So please do that. If you have a prayer request, uh, those cards will let you know how to do that. Um, I'm trying to think what else is in there. Uh, that's pretty much uh, the important things. Another thing I'm just going to highlight, if you would, and you can go to our website, Planning Center, Church Center, a lot of different places. Uh, you heard me use this phrase last week, and I'm going to use this phrase probably for several weeks until you do it. And I've used the phrase, jump in. Jump in. Thank you for jumping in and coming to worship. I think that's a great thing. We could come together, jump in, experience the grace of God in worship. But we'd like for you to experience, to jump in and join a group, a class, some get-together where you can grow in your faith and life. And you will find some of these sheets available right outside of here. And it's going to give you Bible studies and groups and classes uh, that you can get, get, to, get to know Jesus more fully as well as other people. So a lot of these begin in this fall time, so you could look at it, jump in, and give it a try. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So please, please consider that. And if, if you look at this and you can't find a time, a place, a topic that is good for you, come talk to us. We'd love to figure out maybe how to do more so that you can get connected as well. Uh, last announcement is about the joy basket that will be passed in just a minute. Um, one of the things we believe at 1C is every single one of us have been blessed by God. All different ways. And what he wants us to do is always to say thank you. And we could do it by singing the song we just sang or the next song that's coming up. We can do it in our prayers. We can do it as we serve. We could do it as we give. And so I want to lead us now in a time of prayer for our worship time as well as as we live our lives out for him. Lord Jesus, thank you again that you have blessed us with one blessing on top of another and they're just too numerous to even count. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us thankful and grateful hearts and that it would be evident in how we live our lives. And Lord, the reason we do this is out of gratitude to you and to further your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. Make your way right on up front. Find a seat up here on the floor. Come on up. Well, there were some little baggies of snacks on your way in this morning, so if you didn't get one, make sure you get one on the way out. They're little yogurt-covered pretzels, and they look like hearts, don't they? They look like a heart shape because today we're talking about Psalm 51 and verse 10 of Psalm 51. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a right spirit within me. And you know what? Through faith in Jesus, our good shepherd Jesus gives us a new heart so that we can follow him and love him. And I have a book I want to read to you. And as I read the book, see if you can see 
how the shepherd gives this little pig a new heart so he can be a sheep and follow him. All right. The little pig loved being a little pig. He loved living in the grand pigsty. He loved racing in the wagon races with his friends. He really loved eating gross, gooey stuff called slops. But most of all, he loved playing in the mud. Life was never better than when he was covered in mud from foot to snout with a tummy full of slops. Well, one day, the little pig was enjoying another day of wagon racing and mud rolling when he noticed a shepherd walking through the farmyard. The shepherd was leading his sheep toward the pasture. As he watched them, he wondered what it would be like to be a little sheep, free to eat the grass, with a nice fluffy coat to keep him warm during the coldest of nights. But of course, he was a little pig. And he loved being a little pig, so he put that thought out of his mind. One day, the strangest of things happened. The shepherd came over to the grand pigsty, looked over the fence, and said, Hello, little pig. Little pig said, Oink, which in piggy language means, Hello, shepherd. And the shepherd seemed to understand. The shepherd looked at him with kind eyes. Little pig, would you like to become one of my own? A little sheep? Yes, please, shepherd, said little pig. Well, the shepherd explained that he would have to do an operation to give him the heart of a sheep. Little pig nodded and said that he understood. The shepherd did the operation and let, led the little pig out of the grand pigsty to join the flock. One day, little pig asked the shepherd about his new heart. The shepherd explained that because he now had the heart of a sheep, things would begin to change from the inside out. His little piggly hide would grow tufts of wool, and in time, he would look a lot less like a little pig and a lot more like a little sheep. And that's exactly what happened. <gasps> look, he's starting to look like a sheep, isn't he? Well, one afternoon, the little piggly sheep was walking through the farmyard with all of his new woolly friends, following the shepherd with his old, following the shepherd when his old piggly friends noticed him and called out, Oi, little pig, what you doing with that lot? You see, they were from a city called London, and so they had strange accents. But that night, as he lay in the pasture with the other sheep, he could hear the sounds of fun and music and excitement. He decided that he would go to the pigsty party to see his piggly friends just once more. He had fun for a while, but soon... The mud made his fluffy wool stick to his skin. The other pigs cheated in the wagon race, and the slops, even the best slops, just didn't taste like they used to. Just as he was thinking these sad thoughts, the shepherd peeked over the fence and said, Little sheep, what are you doing in there? That is not where you belong now. Little sheep looked up at the shepherd and said, Bah, which means... I'm very sorry, shepherd. 
I made a really bad decision. The shepherd looked at him and said, don't worry, little one, I know, but you can always make a good, de good decision after a bad one. Come home with me. Little sheep went back to the pasture where the shepherd washed the mud from his white coat and he felt 10 times lighter. He was free, glad to be away from the grand pigsty, its muck and cheating piggly friends, because here with his woolly friends under the gaze of a kind shepherd was where he belonged and where he would stay forever. The end. Isn't that neat? So the shepherd came and gave the pig a new heart so that he could be one of his sheep and follow him. And you know what? Through faith in Jesus, he, our good shepherd, Jesus, does the same thing for us. He changes our heart to make us one of his own, and we can follow him as his sheep. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Jesus, our good shepherd, thank you for calling us your own. Give us a new heart and help us to follow you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seat. And if you ever want to borrow this book, let me know. You can borrow it and take it home and read it. Well, um, in 2016, um, my husband and I lost uh, a baby girl. And um, that was very, very difficult for our family. And I was very angry, um, went through the, all the, the denial and the anger. And, um, but I was very angry. And it took a while <clears throat> for me to get past that. And I remember many nights I wasn't able to sleep, and I would go outside on the deck, and I would, I would shake my fist, and I would say, why, God, why? And so this next song that we're going to sing is called I Believe It Now. It's by the Sidewalk Prophets. And um, some of the lyrics, it says, oh, my God, I remember when I cried, I shook my fist up at the sky and wondered why you felt so far from me. And I really did feel like that. And through time... Um, and lots of prayer, and um, God has always been right beside me. He's always been right there, and all we have to do is ask, and um, the lyrics kind of go on. So I just encourage you to listen to the lyrics of the song. I couldn't see it then, but I believe it now. Just a searching soul, tired of reaching out Stuck on the tracks, train bearing down Screaming from my lungs, who will save me now? It's the reruns of the regrets, they were playing in my head Got the devil on my shoulder and he's leaving me for dead the Whispers and lies have brought me Flooding my veins with doubt and It was in my deepest 
may know that we've been going through the book of Psalms, different one, you know, for the past several weeks. Today we stop at Psalm 51, and I wonder if David was thinking some of the same things. As he was confronted with his sin, as he was feeling the weight and the burden of all of it, you know, just kind of shaking like this, and God's, God's presence gave him peace. God's presence created a brand new heart in him. As we get ready now for communion, I hope we cry out to God. I hope we do so faithfully and, well, lovingly, and we listen to what he has to say. Ultimately, he's going to say to you and me, because of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. So what we've been doing for a couple months now is we've been professing what we believe about our sin, about our need for a Savior, also about what we believe in this meal called communion. So if we could have that up there on the screen, let's profess this out loud together. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, study of God's word, cheerful giving, thankful living, in sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And again, be assured, because of Jesus, because of his love for you and for me, he forgives our sins. The Bible says he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west and that he remembers our sin no more. That is the good news of God's grace for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, 
He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. As we continue now with the distribution of Holy Communion, if you have those individual communion sets, uh, feel free during the song to receive those, those elements believing that Jesus' body and blood is present and that your sins are forgiven. And as you come forward for continuous communion, uh, be assured that you're going to receive that body and blood of Jesus for your forgiveness. If you desire to have either gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server know. May this moment be a sacred moment where God comes to people like you and shares his goodness and love in his son Jesus. Amen.
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, 
all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. A prayer, Lord, that you continue to heal and strengthen and be with Nancy as she waits for more scans and doctor's appointments. Give her good news and complete recovery. Prayer for a successful surgery for my fiance this Monday. A prayer, thanks, Lord, to Sherry for all that she has done for me. Prayers for a friend battling cancer. Prayers for my sister-in-law as she starts chemotherapy. Lord, you are good, and we know that you are with us as she goes through this. Prayers for my brother John's life has fallen apart, and he has to build a new life and find a new place to live at 63 years old. A prayer, Lord, that you give him grace, mercy, peace, hope, guidance, and providence and healing at this time. Lord, we just thank you for the prayer to spoken and unspoken, and you know what's heavy on our hearts, and we just pray that you just give us the strength to bring it to the cross and lay it at your feet, knowing that you can wash us and make us clean and give us a new start and a new hope. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you are like this, but once in a while you'll, you'll hear an illustration and it sticks with you even after many years. I don't know if it was 20 years ago, but I remember being in a, uh, a presentation. It was a conference. I think there was probably a thousand people in the room. And the person walked up and he had one of those, I call them super duper calculators. For those of you that maybe go up into the sciences really high, I mean, I had a really simple calculator, but there are some that really do a lot of math, right? Well, anyway, um, he, he started out by saying, how many sins do you think I commit in a single day? And I don't know what the number was. We'll just use the number 100. So he put the number 100 in. That's one day. He says, there's 365 days in a year. So let's figure out how many sins I do in a year. Put that into the calculator. The number starts creeping up. And I don't know how old he was. I can't remember if he was like 50-something. So he said, well, let's just do it by 50 years. And then he did that number. He says, well, I'm not the only person. I mean, there's a thousand of you. So he took that number and multiplied it times a thousand. And then he said, well, it's not just us here today, but there are people in the town that sin and have sinned for a long time and kept putting in the numbers until you get this certain thing on the calculator. Anybody know what that is? An error. When the com this calculator can't do it anymore, it just says error. And here's the trick, and here, this is where he went with it. He says, then what do you do when you have an error? Say it out loud if somebody you want to. Clear. You push the C button, and it kind of starts over, resets everything. And then he goes on this explanation about the spiritual correlation of that. Our sin, your sin, my sin, our sin.
is so great, is so big, the errors are so many that we can't even count them. And what did God do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to suffer and die for the sins of the world in order to do what? Clear. To clear sin. And when we turn to him, when we let him create in us a clean heart and do the cleansing thing, something great happens. That's been our journey as we look at Psalms, right? It's the human condition and God's solution. And uh, we, we have this Psalm, Psalm 51, and then we have next week, Psalm 139. So if you want to read in advance so you can be ready for that Psalm. Uh, but here is Psalm 51, and I changed the title. Midweek, I'm thinking, you know, the more I read about David's perspective of, of what God does, I have it said here, God's amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous grace is greater than any and all sin. I want you to let that sink in for a second. God's amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous grace is greater than any and all sin. There are more words to describe this grace than we could come up with. I just grabbed three that I thought kind of was out there. Amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous. And David experienced that grace in his life. Now, if you look at Psalm 51, it's one of the few psalms that has um, a little bit more of an inscription to it a or a description of the psalm. And this is what David says. If you could uh, fast forward, please, to the next one. There we go. It says, to the choir master, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. All right, so this is, this is like after the fact. And what, what all happened? I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a flyover from 2 Samuel 11. Next slide, please. It starts out with the words, it happened. So I think it's a very um, soft way to say of, of what took place. It was, this is really big, folks. Just to start out with the words, it happened. It seems so kind of relaxed. But it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. I think what the world would say at this mo moment would be, oops, but it's much bigger than that. I mean, you think of all the moving pieces to it. Part of the story that is in 2 Samuel, if you want to read, is how David was going to take this into his own hands. Literally, 
and try to figure this out. He had a plan. Hmm. Bathsheba is married to Uriah. Uriah happens to be like a high-ranking army official. Uh, I'm going to bring Uriah back. And surely he's going like, to spend time with her and everyone's going to think the baby is his. Well, Uriah comes back and Uriah is a very um, upstanding person. He's like, how can I do that when all my warriors are at war? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sleep outside. I'm not even going to go in. So that didn't work according to David's plan. So then David went a little further because he had to take care of the situation. He sent Uriah back to the front lines, knowing what would happen to Uriah. And Uriah was killed. This is more than an oops. It started out with adultery. Then it moved into murder. I mean, everything was starting to ravel for David. Things were not good. And I, um, you know, I put down significance of sin. I think David was feeling it. He was feeling the weight of it. So then, it took about a year. We don't know exactly how many months, but it was more than nine, less than 12, somewhere around there, when God sent Nathan the prophet to go to David and to confront David. Because David has not owned up to it yet. Here's a man after God's own heart. Somebody who really understands God and he's kind of shirking the responsibility of owning up to this. So God sends the prophet Nathan. Nathan, David said to Nathan, this is after Nathan confronted him, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, you got to know there's consequence to sin and there was a consequence to sin. Nathan actually said, you know, this baby is not going to live. And if you follow the story of David, there's many more consequences to the sin. But it was interesting that Nathan said, the Lord has put away your sin. So while you might be dealing with the consequence of your behavior, he says, the Lord has put away your sin. In other words, the Lord has taken care of your sin. The Lord has taken care of the eternal consequence of sin. And this is where I'd like to bring back that phrase. God's amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous grace. David crossed the line in many and profound ways. Back at the time, just so you know what would happen, normally your life would be taken. But God had this plan, and he decided to spare David's life. But the, the bigger picture is he wanted to give David life, even beyond this earth. The Apostle Paul touches on this in Romans chapter 3. Now, if you read the entire chapter, you'll find um, Paul is really painting the picture of sin and the consequence of it. But he paints a picture in verses 25 and 26 about this amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous grace. It says this, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. And I'm going to just stop there for a second. Right before this, Paul is talking about Jesus. Jesus coming to this earth. 
Jesus being God's son, taking care of sin. And then the translation that I have here uses the word propitiation. And I'm going to get to the definition in the middle, uh, in, a, in the midst. But he says this, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his, right, his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that even somebody like David can have hope. Now, propitiation means this. Averting the wrath of God by the offering of a gift. Now, that word by itself makes a lot of sense. If you have done something wrong to somebody else, sometimes by offering up a gift and saying, hey, I'm really sorry, that's, it, it kind of helps, right? It might even mend a fence or two. I mean, the many times that I have, quote, crossed the line and wasn't the perfect husband, if I bring flowers, offering a gift, hoping, um, sometimes it would work, sometimes it doesn't work, but, you know, just kind of coming and doing something to take care of this. Well, here's what Paul gets at. It's not, quote, the propitiation or the averting God's wrath by any gift, but he says of, the, of, of blood. Something had to be killed. A sacrifice needed to be made to take care of sin. And nothing that we could do as human beings would ever be enough to take care of sin. So God in his infinite wisdom, God who has the righteousness that we don't have, decided to send his son and to put his son on this earth. And this Jesus lived that perfect life. And then at the right time, at the right place, he put his arms out and let nails be put into his hands and feet. And blood was shed for you and for me in order to avert the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is this, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. So the wrath of God is you and me separated from God forever. But God did not want that. He wanted to avert that. So he said, I'm going to give my son. My son is going to make the ultimate payment. He is going to take that all on. Is it because we are good? Is it because we have done nice things? No. It's all about the character of God. It's all about, again, God's amazing, ridiculous, and outrageous grace. I'm going to pause here, and then we're going to go into some of David's thoughts that helped him grasp this amazing, ridiculous, outrageous grace. If you're sitting here today, and you have crossed the line, in other words, you have sinned against God and against other people, you know this, and I know this, the devil's going to keep coming after you and wanting to put it in front of your face and kind of smear, smear it in your face and say, you are hopeless and helpless. There is nothing good for you. And he wants us to feel despair. And yet God comes to us and says, I get it. I understand your sin. I did something for you. I have this amazing grace. I have this ridiculous grace. I have this outrageous grace that can take care of sin. Now, my, mind you, is there a consequence sometimes on this earth? Yes, David knows that. 
But because of Jesus, this sin will not keep us from a relationship with God. This sin will not keep us from eternity with God forever. What did he know about this God? Well, in his prayer, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. So look at those words. Mercy, unfailing love, compassion. David has come to know that this is the kind of God he's dealing with. So even though his sin is this big, and even though his sin deserves death, mercy and grace come. And it is life-changing for David. And he says, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You see, David understood the significance of sin. It is unavoidable, and he's taking ownership for it. It's my bad. It's my sin. I'm not going to blame other people. It's on me. He goes to his God because he knows his God is compassionate, has this unfailing love. I mean, this is God that you can go to. And then he prays this prayer. I think this is one of being very vulnerable. If you know somebody and you trust them, you would maybe say these words, cleanse me with a hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So something happened. I think for that year, I think David was probably in turmoil. He knew what he had done. But when he finally faced his creator, when he finally faced up to it, he started to experience new hope, new life. One that would propel him forward in faith, knowing this God loves him. Even if he's going to go through some really tough times, he knows that God is by his side. I'm going to put this up on the slide. This is the end part of it. I uh, encourage you to read Psalm 51. So I think uh, David's journey can be much like our journey if, if we let God do his thing. If, if we realize by faith that we can go to him because he is compassionate, he is kind, and we just say, okay, God, you clean me inside and out. You do your thing in me because when you do your thing, every, I'm, I'm really good. I'm blessed. And then we find here, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. In other words, I've received it. I'm now going to share it. I know what it's like to be a sinner and to be forgiven. I'm going to tell people how good it is. So David is starting to get it. And then you see the second part of this. He, he says this. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. And then he goes on. And then our life becomes a life of worship. 
Worship to our God. Worship to the one who created us and saved us and spared us and blessed us. David, if you follow the genealogy, is connected to Jesus. David received grace, which is amazing, ridiculous, right? Just awesome. And we do too. Because God decided to love you and me. So my prayer for us today is as we close out this service, as we're all done with what I call the sacred 65, because we're at 1205, that you take the worship beyond these walls. That you take the opportunity to tell other people what God has done for you and how good it is. Tell them about the new life and new hope. Let them know that there is a Savior that loves them, and his name is Jesus. Let's stand. Receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Things are getting real, Jesus take the wheel Only way I'm getting to the other side Days are getting dark, life's a little hard Blinding but I'm trying not to lose sight I don't got this, I know you got this Yeah, yeah, yeah And I believe it before I see it Yeah, yeah, yeah I know you're gonna see me through it If anybody can, you can do it God, I know in the trouble in the pain Tired of losing faith, but you don't face this alone. 
Into the arms of Jesus. 